Welcome. This is Writer's Retreat for June 2020. And we have a very special guest this evening. But before introducing our guest, I would like for our guest to know uh, who else is in the group. So I would ask each of you to identify yourself, where you're located, and something about um, what writing or publications you have done. So um, I think I'll just call on people in the order that you arrived, as I recall. So Anne, go ahead. Hi, uh, I'm Anne Parsons, and I live in Rochester, New York, and I am the author of a science fiction book called The Demis, D-E-M-M-I-E-S, and um, I self-published. Um, and I guess that's good enough for the moment. There's lots more, but, you know. Okay. Thanks. Uh, that's good. That's perfect. Uh, <laughs> I think Deanna was next. Deanna? Okay. Okay. It was lucky I was muted. Um, my dog decided to scratch and jangle his collar oh, and his geez. bells and make a... It sounded like Santa Claus was arriving just a minute ago. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm Deanna Quietwater Noriega. I live in Columbia, Missouri. And I have yet to publish a book by itself. I've been in several anthologies and fundraiser anthologies. And um, I've published a lot in magazines. And... I'm primarily a writer for mental health purposes because when I am upset about anything, whether it's an advocacy issue or um, just one of those things that happen in life that, you know, drive you nuts, I tend to write a poem or uh, a humorous short story or something to deal with the issue so I can stop turning it over in my head and, and annoying myself with it. Okay. Um, and did you say where you are, Deanna? I don't think you did. I'm sorry. I missed sorry. the question. Sorry. Where are you located? <laughs> Columbia, Missouri. Thank you. Okay. And Marsha, you actually were here before Deanna. So Marsha. Am I unmuted? You are. Oh, I'm getting the hang of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Deanna can always precede me. Uh, Marcia Wick, I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I am gainfully retired. <laughs> I, I did have a professional nonfiction writing career, and now I'm doing uh, freelance writing and personal essay writing and I, I'll brag just real quickly. Um, I had an opportunity to edit a book, a science fiction book, um, for uh, somebody who had a blind protagonist and wanted to get a blind person's perspective. And I, you know, got paid for that. So it was really kind of fun because she was always looking and gazing and turning her head and you know, staring. And <laughs> Well, please uh, send send us all the the um, the relevant information when that's published, so we can read it and 
see your um you, you know. won't you won't see me in it so to speak but well yeah, but we it, will it because a fun we project we, yeah yeah because we know the behind the scenes secrets yeah here. yeah that's very yeah. cool very uh -huh. cool um okay so marcia did you did you want to say anything else about your own publications Other no just you know okay. waiting to be inspired here by all of you mm -hmm. okay <laughs> well i've seen enough of your short things and so i i think i think you're pretty talented oh, thank um, you. uh livy yes ma'am well my real name is olivia but i go by livy ostergaard i'm from fresno california um, i self-published a christian nonfiction memoir in 2014 from zulon press it's called Looking at the Unseen, My Guide Dog Journey. And it was my 10-year journey and the struggles I went through to get my guide dog, Fenway, who's sitting over here on the couch, who is retired. And he's been retired since November 2018. And I'm working on trying to finish getting my apps in so I can get a new dog. And um, I have written for myjourneyoffaith.com for their magazine, for their devotions. I've written articles for The Blind Californian, Paw Tracks, and um, I'm on their writer's group there. And um, I've sort of poked my nose into the writer's group at Hadley, but not a whole lot. But um, I'm so excited to be here because I need all the help I can get. I've got <laughs> boxes and boxes of print copies in my books of my book over here and um oh, i just don't know okay. what to do with them all right well you welcome i'm so glad you're here and i think i'm so glad to, right to be here and i'm thankful for um bob acosta debbie that uh put me on to you so oh um, that's great that's great well thank you bob um okay and uh abby okay i'm abby taylor oh excuse me i live in sheridan wyoming and I'm the author of two novels, two poetry collections, and a memoir. And I'm currently working on another novel. My work has been published in various journals and anthologies, including the Weekly Avocet and Magnets and Ladders, which is a journal produced by Behind Our Eyes, another writer's organization of which I'm the president. And I've also been in, we've, and we published uh, two anthologies and working on a third. Uh, and I've been in both of their anthologies. So, um, and that's uh, basically all you need to know about me for now, unless there's anything else you want to know. Thank you. That's great. Um, since we were talking about the book that just got on Bard, why don't you mention that? Because Elizabeth. Oh, sure. Well, it's a, <clears throat> it is a, it's a, it's a work of women's fiction. Um, do you want, does anybody want the ordering number? Because I discovered it's easier to find that way or searching by author name. If, I, if you want the order number, I can pull that up real quick. But anyway, it's about, huh? No, just give the title. Okay, well, it's, a, it's, it's called The Red Dress, and it's about a young woman who, uh, she went to her high school prom, and with the boy of her dreams, she danced with him, and then she caught him in the act with her best friend. And then when she goes to college six months later, her roommate bullies her into giving the dress that she wore that night. And 25 years later, her high school reunion is approaching, and she's having to deal with 
of the past in order to uh, continue going on in the present. Okay. So that's basically that's it in a nutshell. Thank you. It is on yeah. Bard, and it's read by Kristen Allison. I have not, I d- I've downloaded, but I haven't read it yet. But she does a wonderful job. I've heard oh some other books that she has read, so I'm sure that you'll enjoy uh, her reading it. So yeah, you, you you scored, as they say. She's she's one of the best yeah, narrators. She's very That's good. great. And I yeah, and mm-hmm. and I don't know how it happened. I did not pick her. They I did like I said. Yeah. I didn't even know. I thought Perkins was doing it, and then all of a sudden, I found out it, it Bard is doing it, and. And I'm just like, wow, okay. okay. <laughs> Great. I guess enough okay. people just contact them. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Mary Highland. Hi. Um, I have uh, self-published two books. One's called The Bumpy Road to Assisted Living, A Daughter's Memoir. And it's about how I had to put my mother into assisted living and the struggles that we had. Um both on her part and mine. And then the second one, the most recent one, is um, Insight Out, One Blind Woman's View of Her Life. And um, a long time ago, I was published in Red Book Magazine and Chicken Soup for the Parent's Soul. So that's – and then I have a blog – which I write uh, something for every week or so, uh, and it's called seeingitmyway.com. And I should say the post she wrote today, I just read today that she put, put on there, is, is definitely something ex- unexpected. I, uh, it's called <laughs> Putting a Toe in the Water, and I thought, oh, that sounds so refreshing because here it's 100 degrees and I would love to put my toe in the water. Well, it's not about putting your toe in the water. It's about something totally different. So if you get a chance, go up there and take a look at yours. Her titles are interesting. You know, they're definitely going to draw you into her post. Oh, thanks, Abby. You're welcome, Mary. And I just like your post, by the way. So you'll probably get a notification about that. Thanks. Well, and I haven't read your today's post yet, but I, I do read it all the time. I have them emailed to me, which if, every, if, if folks are not yeah. aware, that's a really nice way to follow a blog. Is Absolutely. Put your email in and then you get email alerts. So, Alan, I neglected you. And um, I know you're not technically a writer, but you've written some really helpful stuff. So would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, some really good uh, AW well, announcements. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm here just to start the meeting, Deborah, but you know, <laughs> I, I write a lot of emails and, and I used to write a lot of tax memos telling you how to do, uh, how to apply the tax code to, to your various <laughs> stuff, but uh, I haven't done that in a while. But uh, 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 That would definitely put everybody to sleep, but uh, maybe I ought to hire out as a uh, a, a sleep inducer instead of taking pills that would work. But I, I'm from I'm from Brandon I'm from Brandon Mississippi and uh, I, 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 I'm I'm co-host on a lot of these accessible world meetings. So uh, uh, Deborah got bumped off, so I, I came in to start the uh, the meeting for you guys and, and I made her the host so that she can she's become quite the the, the Zoom uh, the, the Zoom wizard. So. I'm really just, I'm just kind of listening in the background. And uh, so, but, but well, thanks for inter- for letting me introduce myself. So. 
Well, and, you know, even though you're, you're not a writer and you don't have any aspirations to be a writer, I just have to say that you frequently write detailed instructions on how to use various applications and distribute them to lists, and your instructions are among the best. So, uh, well, so thank that, you. That, that's like, I, I, whenever I try to write stuff, I try to write it so that I could understand what's being said, and I figure I, I'll make it as, as simple as possible in that way, and then hopefully it'll help somebody. But but thank right. you. That's very kind of you to say. Okay, so um, uh, so I am Deborah Kendrick, as you all know, I think, um, and uh, I guess I'm the only capitalist in the group because... <laughs> I have never self-published, um, but never say never. That doesn't mean I might not do that someday. But um, I have had a very happy and still ongoing, packed full uh, writing career, um, writing for newspapers, magazines, have published a handful of books. Um, I, I realized when Abby was talking about Bard that my jobs books that I wrote for the American Foundation for the Blind, AFB Press, in the 90s and early thousands were all narrated by talking book narrators because in those days there was an NLS studio in the AFB headquarters. And I am ashamed to say I never even listened to all of them except the first one, which was read by Suzanne Torrin. I remember that. But um, anyway, uh, but my most recent effort uh, book-wise was um, When Your Ears Can't Help You See, which just came out this week, and so I'm still, it's new enough that I'm still giddy with delight. Um, so uh, a little bit of housekeeping information. Uh, we, because we're a small group, I typically have not muted people or done raise, raising hands as is customary with Zoom meetings. Instead, I would just ask everyone to, if you know that there's noise in your background or you feel a need to breathe heavily or something else, then mute yourself and unmute when you um, have something to say or a question to ask. Um, I think everyone here knows, but in case you don't, um, to mute yourself if you're on the iPhone app, mute, uh, mute yourself is in the lower left-hand corner on the main screen. If you're on a computer, it's Alt A. a. Thank you. <laughs> I blanked out. Um, and if you're on a landline phone, it's star six. And all of those are, are toggled. You use the same button to mute and unmute the same uh, code. So finally, um, I have the pleasure of introducing Elizabeth Sammons. I have been thinking about this for the past several days, and I confess that I do not know how long Elizabeth and I have been friends. I know that it's a very long time, and that a long time ago, I, another writer friend sent me an article about a blind woman who was a journalist being in Siberia, and I thought, this person is brilliant, I want to know her. And um, and so, indeed, I do know her, and she is brilliant. And um, she, as you know, I sent the bio around, so you you know uh, a bit about her career. That she's she's uh, a woman of languages, <laughs> which I envy tremendously and admire tremendously. Um, 
so she's she's she does interpreting and has worked for the Social Security Administration and the Voc Rehab System in Ohio. Was in the Peace Corps, has a wonderful daughter, um, and and husband has a wonderful family. Period, and published. Um, she didn't mention in her bio uh, with best intent, which was her first novel, but um, I loved that book and know that she has rewritten it. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing it again. And, um, and then as she mentions in the bio, she self-published The Liar and the Cross in 2018. So with that, what I, the reason that I asked Elizabeth to do this is that she has so much um, bravery and courage and creativity when it comes to self-promotion and finding a way to connect with audiences and talk about her book. And I know that's something that everyone here wants to do, and I know that we will learn from her. So with that, Elizabeth Sammons, welcome. Take it away. Thank you, Deborah. Um, okay, I'm going to have to try to live up to all this nonsense that's written on paper. Um, Deborah, I do, I haven't gotten to talk to you. I really do want to say congratulations on the publication of your writing this week. And Abby, that's wonderful. I read, um, actually, I, I go through about once a week the NLS listings, and I specifically remembered the uh, annotation for your book, and I kind of thought about that. Hmm, well, now I'm definitely going to download it now that I know who wrote it. Um, Mary, congrats on the recent publication of your second book, too, and that getting up. Um, just, it's nice to be able to talk with writers. Um, and since Deborah made the Siberian connection, I'm going to go with a little, start with a little Russian uh, expression. Uh, they say, what we say is a double-edged sword. They call a stick with two pointy ends. <laughs> um, and I'm going to give you two sticks with two pointy ends at the very beginning of my talk, which means there's good news and there's bad news. Um, so the um, one of them is you're probably most of us, most of us, Deborah being the most outstanding exception, but most of us are probably not going to make a total living out of our writing. But that's the one point. But the other point is, if you think about it, I mean, many of us leave, you know, we think, what are we going to leave on this earth? Are we going to leave our kids? Are we going to leave, you know, what are we going to leave? But we're leaving our writing behind us. And that's something that will be there forever in some form, um, as long as mankind has mind and can, you know, read and, and share. So all of us have some, in some way, made a little bit of a unique footprint on this earth, even if it's not, you know, maybe paved in, in green stuff. Um, and the other little stick with two points on it is no matter how wonderful a writer you are, you can win the Pulitzer, the Nobel, and the Man Booker. No matter how good you are, just like no matter how good a chef you are, if I don't like cooked carrots, which I don't, you make the very best cooked carrots in the world, I am not going to order those off the menu. No book is going to be so wonderful that everybody's going to like it. That's the one point. But the other point on that stick is that everyone's book has, or article or whatever it is that we're writing, has interest for a group of people. 
and really more likely for groups of people. And what Deborah labeled as courage, I would really just more label as having a little bit of Yankee ingenuity and thinking about, okay, who are the groups of people who would be interested in what I have to offer? And then I have to make that gap between that group of people, that audience, that potential audience, and my product, which is my book. So I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. And we've got, I have basically three points that I want to cover. And what I will do is at the end of each point, um, if there's any question, you know, we can have some brief discussion. Then at the end, we're going to have a little bit of a kind of a do it ourselves, maybe discussion with some of you thinking about ways to, to uh, you know, to talk about the marketing of your books. So first of all, before I get anybody real disappointed or real excited, um, I want to just mention that I made a decision probably 10 years ago. And I think I would have made this, you can never say never, but I think I might've made the same decision whether I were sighted or blind. I made the decision when social media like Facebook and LinkedIn and, and you know, all the different things uh, came into people's worlds, not to participate in any way on social media. So if you look for an Elizabeth Sammons out there, you will not find me. You'll find a lawyer in South Carolina You'll find an English teacher and you might find a few more that I don't know about. Uh -huh. But I made a very conscientious decision and everybody has to absolutely make that decision for themselves. So I'm, I'm just telling you that ahead of time. So you'll know my dilemma is that I'm aware that I don't walk this earth for a tremendously long point of, in time. And I would rather devote more time to the writing that I can do and produce more of that than do a lot of marketing and uh, do the social media and feel like I have to be on that all the time to defend, support, and sell what I have. So again, that's just, it's a philosophical choice. We're not gonna talk about that, um, but I just wanted to let you know that so that you would, um, what I'm going to be talking about are non-traditional means, which actually in some ways are very traditional means, but I will not be talking about anything uh, with the social media, except for one very, very, very quick little thing. Um, some of you may remember probably three years ago, it was, yeah, probably two or three years ago, um, a movie came out and I think it was called Paul, uh, uh, St. Paul, or I can't even remember the name of it now. Um, but it was a it was a a, a big screen uh, movie to follow the life of St. Paul. Mm -hmm. um, and since my first book, which I'm going to talk about because I want to use this as an example, um, since my first book involved him and Stephen, who was um, the first time Paul appears in the Bible is at the martyrdom of mm -hmm. what they call uh, you know a, a man named Stephen. I said, oh, my goodness, this is really a great opportunity for me to find this particular Facebook audience and let them know that, by the way, if you'd like to read a little more about Paul, about Stephen, um, there's a book that just came out. So I spent $36 um, on a specifically targeted um, ad to, you know, a fairly large group, you know, several thousand people who were following, um, you know, that movie. And um, I, th I had someone do that because, again, I'm not on the social media. Um, I got one look at my book from all of those people, 800 people who looked at the ad, and of those, one person went to the book. So those who say this book 
and such are the only way to advertise or market one's media may not be correct. Um, you know, I felt like there I had truly a niche audience. I was willing to invest both the money and the time in doing that. But since then, I've decided not to, not because I got burned on that, not for the $36, but just because, again, I've made other decisions um, about doing this. So my first point I want to talk to you about is consider all of your potential readers. You know, I love when Martin Luther King uh, spoke and he said, all the people, all the land, kind of hear Martin Luther King's voice in your mind, because your articles or your novels or your short stories may be of interest to a lot more people than what you think. Um, in order to give you the example, I said I needed to talk just a little bit more about my book, and I will not go on at length about it, but I want to tell you enough about it so that you will know where I'm going here. So then it is a novel. It's a novel told in a number of different voices, all in, you know, the first person, the way they saw it. It's set in the early Roman Empire, um, you know, the time of Christ. And the main two characters are Saul, later known as Paul or St. Paul, and Stephen, or Stephanos was his name in my book. Again, as I mentioned, the what Christianity calls its first martyr. He appears briefly in the book of Acts, uh, and then he disappears from the Bible. But Paul goes on and on. The book, however, centers around Stephen, and it ends with his martyrdom. I hate to spoil it for everybody, but there you go. Um, so uh, in order to write this book, other than thinking, you know, as a writer, how am I going to connect the dots? How am I going to uh, make these people speak? I also did a lot of research, both religious and secular, because what I was trying to do very much was to talk about the Roman Empire being anything but unicultural. You had <laughs> Greeks, you had Jews, you had Jews who were Greek, you had Hebrew-speaking Jews, you had all kinds of people in even even within the province of Judea, um, you had all kinds of people speak, and then you had you know people coming from other parts of the Roman Empire coming into Judea. So I had to do a lot of research about the different traditions, uh, you know, the different languages that were spoken, the different ways. Does he pay her family at the wedding or does she pay his family? Well, it just happens the Greeks do one, the Jews do another. I have to portray a wedding. How the heck am I going to do that? So all kinds of, you know, as well as the religious, the secular. And I also included a lot of, because I was including Greek culture, a lot of Greek uh, mythology, uh, you know, Odysseus and Persephone and, you know, different people. So I wanted, you know, I, I certainly remembered, and I want to thank my dad for my early days introducing me to the classics, but I wanted to be absolutely sure, was it really a pomegranate that she ate? Well, yeah, it was. But mm -hmm. I found out, for example, I was going to put lemon in something, and I found out that lemons were only planted um, in Asia in the first century. So it's been a really expensive, costly new thing. Ooh, I think I'll just stick with pomegranates. Uh, so the kind of research you do can kind of connect you with some audiences. Um, but think about connecting with your content to the audiences that you think would be possible. So in this book, I basically thought, I've basically got um, three or four different audiences. One, obviously, is the faith-related audiences, be that in a church, be that in a synagogue, because uh, Christianity before it ever had the name. 
So you have the faith base of whom you could look at, you know, Sunday schools, you could look at Bible studies, you could look at uh, those kinds of groups. And I've given quite a few talks by contacting pastors or people I know in a church. You know, what, what have you got going on in your church? And this has been in a number of states, not just in Ohio. So that's one group is the, is the faith-based. Um, a second group, because I'm talking about classical literature, is the academic um, or the uh, linguistic-based uh, particularly academic-based, those who are interested in that early Roman Empire um, and kind of what it could have been like. Now, you very obviously say in any of these cases, now, this is fiction. I'm not pretending that this is you know, part of the Bible. I'm also not telling you that I went to an excavation uh, pit and dug up the, the gospel according to Stephen, because I did. So you, you very clearly say, I am an artist depicting this, but you also talk a lot about what you've been able to do and you show that you're knowledgeable in that topic. So being able to go to a, the more the classics studies was another uh, way of my being able to uh, have some inroads to publishing. A third one coming from Ohio is I live in Franklin County, Columbus, Ohio, which is the capital. I'm a local author. So there may be libraries or bookstores um, or other simply interested in, you know, myself as an Ohioan, um, that's another way to go. And um, the fourth way, and I'll only talk about this briefly, uh, Deborah mentioned that I'm a trans, an interpreter, and I certainly have been. Um, I, went to, I went to a linguistics college um, uh, or one summer when I was taking some classes, and they happened to have their uh, a reunion last year. And I explained to the director, I said, you will see, and I'm glad to share this book with you ahead of time if you'd like it, that language plays a very huge role in this book because I have in the book, particularly a couple of characters who are just struggling, you know, a Hebrew speaker to speak Greek and a Greek speaker to speak uh, Hebrew. And so I put the very broken English, uh, easy to do after having worked with immigrants studying English, and make the language really a character. And Deborah, having read with best intent, knows that language and sign language are very much characters in that book. So um, I was very happy and gratified to be able to talk with a group of linguists as well. And say, here's a section where I was able to really use the, um, you know, the language itself as a character and to, to kind of put that in. So I had very distinct groups, the faith-based, the local, the uh, historic and classics, and then the, the linguistic, and have being a person of disability, you know, if there's a blindness group or another group that wants me to speak, I would say, well, okay, you know, is it all right if I also mention, or would you like to hear about the book? So although my disability and um, that is pretty tangential to the book, I'm not going to say no. And if I hear possibilities, I could also certainly speak there as, you know, a writer who has maybe done things a little bit differently um, than others. So defining the audience, that was my first point. Do any of you have questions about that or um, shall I go ahead? So Elizabeth, this is Deborah, And uh, before, uh, anyone else has a question, mm -hmm. I'll say, please do what I did and identify yourself first. But um, I missed right at the beginning, you said that because you had seen this movie, you paid 
some for some service. It was I paid I paid thirty six dollars to Facebook for a targeted ad to reach the fans of this movie about Paul. Interesting. Who knew? I didn't even. Yeah, know Facebook can be thing. very very specific. You can yeah. you can target groups. But that's my one and only social media experience with that. So okay. I was and, using and that as an example of what it didn't work for me. I'm not saying it couldn't work for someone else. Right. But I'm saying that in that case, as targeted as it was, and you can't get more targeted than that when you and, have people watching a movie yeah. about Paul and you wrote a book yeah. about Paul, who, which but, is both fiction. So. But even though it didn't pan out, it was a very creative idea. And I, by the way, am very um, – Happy to hear what you say because I'm a social media luddite. So, okay. So, so does anyone else have questions about that portion of specifically about defining the audience? Yeah. Well, I've had the. This is uh, Livy. I've had when I first published my book, and before I, you know, when I was doing research trying to find a publisher and all this stuff, and everybody that I read online or whatever, they all said you got to have, and these were all. Uh, <clears throat> cited authors they weren't blind authors okay and everyone to a to a person said you got to be on facebook you got to be on linkedin twitter and all this jazz so that's what i've done but it has gone nowhere because most of the time you've got to you know in order to do a lot of this stuff you've got to have money for publicity yes. and stuff yes the advertising requirement you're sunk mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, any other questions about defining the audience? I want to kind of stick with that for the moment. Okay, I don't hear any questions, so I'm going to go on to the second topic. And we can always, if there's something you've forgotten, you know, at the end we can do this. So Got the that. second thing I'd like to talk about is ways to reach this audience now that you've found them. I also want to just go back very quickly. One other audience that I forgot to tell you that I defined was the American Greek audience because this is a very Greek mm. book and mm. a lot of the references to literature and things. So not just the college classics, but also the Greek Orthodox, that audience was another that I, I also forgot to define. Okay, so ways to reach these groups. Um, you'd be surprised how many specialized newsletters there are floating around there. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean things that are sent in the mail, although there are those. Um, you know, there are websites, there are internet, there are newsletters. So if any of your audiences match any of these newsletters, having either an ad or just a little review of your book um, to get something in there for these specialized newsletters is a really good thing. You have to define the newsletters, though. Again, what, you know, in my case, you know, I could go to our maybe our Lutheran press. I happen to be Lutheran. You know, maybe go to them. Um and I eventually, I mentioned the Greek audience because I was eventually able to get my, um, my, my, uh, an article about my book in a, a Greek Orthodox newsletter. Uh, but you want to think about those kinds of, whether they're in print or whether they are um, uh, in, uh, on, in virtual form. Um, also, there are obviously the, uh, the live presentations, such as at a library. Um, you will have to, if you do something at a library, they will really want not, unless you're a really local author that a lot of people know, anywhere else they're going to want, why do we want to hear you? And that's where you're really going to need to explain. 
I because this, this, and this audience could be interested, this is what I'm going to say and bring out. And these are some things I'm going to bring with me. And I'm going to come to that later on when I talk about the actual presentation. Um, bookstores. Uh, bookstores will definitely... Uh, if they're selling your book, they'll be fairly open probably to your, your sh uh, showing up there. I have talked with a number of authors uh, because I thought I was crazy. Unfortunately, I've done several bookstore presentations and I have found them very, very, very underwhelming. First of all, because mm -hmm. the space is really different in each store, but it's usually not large. But second, because as great as it is to be able to be there and have your table and your books and your artifacts, um, most people are just in the bookstore to go looking for books. And so it can be a little distracting and a little tricky. And you usually don't buy a whole, you don't sell very many books there. So if your goal is, you know, to sell your books, I have talked with, again, other authors as well. It's probably, and even libraries are not the best place to do that. Some libraries don't even let you um, sell books. But again, there are places to think about. Don't write them off. Um, also, one thing I haven't done, and I'm halfway kicking myself, but not too hard, because again, there's always the marketing versus writing, what do I do with my time? I have thought very much about reaching out to um, a Christian radio station with my book, yeah. because again, it's talking about Paul and Stephen. I would love to be interviewed as an author uh, and be able to talk about the book. And I may still do that. The nice thing about a book too, is even if it was published five years ago, Books are not like medicines. They don't have a shelf life. So if they find it interesting what you've done, um, you know, they may well be able to, um, you know, to allow you to, you know, to get on the radio, to do something like this, to have an interview. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's a, a great idea to be able to, you know, to consider something like that. There are lots of ways that are not using social media, again, that you are able to reach out and get your book to be known a little bit. Just yesterday, I was thinking, all of a sudden, just sitting, said, Elizabeth, why haven't, or Eliza, as you will, why haven't you, during this pandemic, why haven't you offered to do some Zoom talks, either with, say, the University Classics or just your own Zoom talks and send them out because people are always saying, oh, you know, I'd love to come to your signing party, but I don't have time. They don't really have much of an excuse that way. Um, and I may do that. I may set up a couple of Zoom talks to, uh, you know, to, to, to talk with people about the book that I set up um, and then invite people to come to that. So those are some thoughts about, I mean, is Zoom social media? Well, arguably, but for the, the point that I'm making, I'm going to say it isn't too much. So those are some ways of maybe uh, reaching out to these groups. Are there any uh, questions about that before I actually start talking about making an engagement, engaging presentation? Elizabeth, this yes. is Mary. Yes. Uh, I'm glad you um, mentioned uh, targeting a specific audience um, in regard to newsletters mm -hmm. because uh, the, the book that I wrote is about what it's like to be blind or what to do and not to do when you have a blind person in your life. Mm -hmm. And it also uh, is, is about the various activities that I do as a blind pe person. And a lot of people have told me you should write a book because mm -hmm. you do so many things and, 
blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't, I wasn't thinking, I, as you were talking about targeting an audience, mm-hmm. um, I couldn't think of a specific audience for this book, but I can think of newsletters and I don't know what they would allow me to put in an ad, but it's worth a try. And that, that is a good idea. I don't want to interrupt you, but I can think of a bunch of audiences for your book. Okay, we'll talk. <laughs> well, let me just give you, I'm going to throw one at you. Okay. Nursing, home, nursing home administrators. And they have uh, newsletters. Well, yeah, the, yeah. For example. Now, I hear doubt in your voice, but those are people who really would find something like that interesting, as would, um, you know, other some other members of the medical community in being the pandemic right now this is a really good time to be able to expand and do something like that believe me i'm not trying to tell you what to do but if you give me a call sometime and we can talk if you wish yeah the uh, you know and, and speaking of the pandemic that really has put a, a damper on doing book talks i, I am actually going to do a, a zoom uh book talk that i'm it's in the works, and I'm really excited about that. Um, for one thing, I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> the only the only problem is I won't have a stack of books that I can sign and right. and uh, distribute and sell and and so on. But um, and I know that now I was told that bookstores do not want self-published books. It and depends on the bookstore. It very much I, depends. So yeah, I went to have one. A bookstore, if you have a bookstore like, um, like uh, oh, Barnes and Noble, probably yeah. not so much. No. If you have some local bookstores, in fact, some, a lot of local independent bookstores love having, especially if it's a local yeah. author. Um, yeah, I had. It can depend I did a little one. on the subject matter. It can. But um, again, those are often the smaller stores. And, but and they've yeah. even, in my case, they've even put out advertising even in the dispatch. And it's still, it's, I, I've talked, like I say, with other authors, it's really not something that I would right. encourage to be your first author. No. Okay. No. Are there other questions? I don't, because we yeah, have one comment. Um, yeah. Ann Parsons here. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, Christian radio stations, internet radio stations, mm-hmm. and a name just popped into my head and <laughs> I don't know if you'll understand this, but I think it's the spirit. Um, do you know a Dale Breffy or Breff, Breff, B-R-E-F-F-E? No, I do not. No, I do not. Okay. Um, he is a guy who is blind, who is a minister and runs a Christian radio station. I don't have his contact information, but I, I met him because <laughs> of all crazy things. Um, and I, I don't want to interrupt you too much, but yeah. let's keep this brief because we only have 20 minutes and I want to get through these other points, but go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, well, you know, how we met is immaterial, but I think if you look at, uh, if you look for him on the internet, you might find him. Thank you. I appreciate that. Are there any other actual questions regarding uh, ways of reaching out, or shall I go ahead with talking about the engaging, hopefully engaging presentation? Uh, this is Deborah, and uh, I just want to say that I, because I, I published a book in December about navigating healthcare, 
And I have probably done maybe 10 Zoom presentations uh, since January uh, about that book. And they've within the blind community, ACB, NFB, non-affiliated, et cetera. And I think the reason is that because it was published by National Braille Press, people are learning about that book, or in some cases, people said to me they heard me on another presentation, they want me to come to their group. But I just wanted to throw that out there as a, as a, uh, um, a possibility that should not be overlooked, um, that uh, maybe be sure to send a press release about your book to ACB and NFB to be published on their lists and in their magazines because there are a lot of blind people. I certainly am one of them. I spent a lot of money today because I was supporting a blind person who's starting a business selling kitchen knives. Um, there are a lot of blind people who want to support another, a fellow blind person, artist, business person, technician, whatever. But um, reach out to those primary publications because that will will mushroom in, into other lists and, and get you invitations to speak and talk about your book. And Deborah, I think that's a really great advice for, for everybody here who has those, you know, those interests, affiliations. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I want to go on to talking about presentations because I, I want to really share all this information with you. And then whatever time we have left, we'll talk about maybe some thoughts you'd have on yours. Um, so probably all of you, I'm going to make the assumption, have been to a book presentation. You know, typically the author comes out and is introduced and typically uh, one very major, major uh, thing that the author does other than talking about his or her book and a little bit maybe motivation, but they will almost always have a reading or readings from their book. Now, depending on what your reading background is, um, this may or may not be difficult for you to do. Um, initially, because I had written my book, um, you know, using a, a laptop, um, it came out in print, it came out in Amazon. I didn't have any, um, part of it in Braille at that point. Um, and I don't have a Braille embosser or anything at home. So initially at a couple of my presentations, I would ask a friend who was coming beforehand, give that person the, the, the part that I wanted them to read and they would read it and I would introduce them and thank them. Um, then later I was able to select, I mean, I thought about it already, but I, I had the time and was able to get parts of my book embossed so that then I could read them. Um, and I was comfortable with that once I rehearsed that, uh, you know, felt comfortable to myself because I'm a, I'm a good reader of Braille, but I'm not a quick reader. And so, but if I rehearse something and work on it, it's totally fine for performance sake. Um, and then after that, what I started to do, um, and particularly when I went and talked with the Greek group, I mentioned that one of my passages was a uh, kind of a linguistic fun section. Uh, a Greek guy 
and I read it together. So he was one of the people and I was the other person. And it was perfect with his accent because he was able to, you know, really provide exactly what was meant to be there. So there's a little element, there can be an element of entertainment in the performance um, of, of reading, but you'll have to decide for yourselves um, how you want that book to be read. Will it be you? Will it be someone else? You know, how is it going to be comfortable for you? I'm just telling you how I did it. Um, because my book, as I mentioned, you know, did lots of research and did lots of um, different thought about the early Roman Empire. Uh, and the name is the Lyra and the Cross, L-Y-R-A meaning like lyre, the instrument that the Greeks, like a stringed instrument. My husband, who seldom really surprises me, but he did, um, he gave me a Lyra for one of our wedding anniversaries. A real one, not not a replica. And I thought, if he's giving me a real lira, I'd better learn how to play it. So I started learning, and I had the great blessing of being able to go to Greece. And I bought a linen, um, it was almost like a caftan, but a Greek robe. Um, I was also able to get, while I was in Greece, some beautiful replicas of even some of the things that I had mentioned in the book, like a waxed tablet, which was sort of their equivalent of a little erasable thing. So I collected these things together. And when I go to give my book talks, I bring these things with me and really focus on the, the context of the book. You know, this is what music might've sounded like. Um, you know, I might have someone even, in fact, a couple of times I had someone read a passage while I played the lyra to say, you know, poetry was read this way you know, in the days of that I'm trying to describe. Here's just a tiny little taste of it for you. So um, if there are things that you can bring with you um, that will enhance, you know, whether they're educational, you know, whether they're entertaining, but things that people can see, maybe touch, um, that's a wonderful thing to be able to do once you've done your reading, once you've done your explanation of the things that are important to you in the book. And um, then the final thing, you know, when we talk about book talks, it's usually book signings. And um, some of us sign our names more easily than others. Um, and that can be, that can also be an issue just like the reading. And I realize it depends on our backgrounds and who we are. What I decided to do, um, I developed an artist's signature, which is just a few, but very deliberate lines that I make on the page. And that is my artist signature. And I usually write the date, you know, 2019 or 2020 is great because you don't have to pick up the pen. You can just let the two zeros flow into each other. Um, and, you know, and people love it. I wonder how they would react to it, but people absolutely love my having an artist signature. If I were to do the other way that I would do it, um, if I had a more disability oriented book, I would consider getting a braille uh, signature stamp and use that so that it would be in braille and possibly in print or possibly I would do my artist signature. Those are things you can think about. They're slightly gimmicky, yes, but if they're authentic to yourself, which I'm not going to go into the time of describing my artist signature, but it's very authentic to me, um, combines my initials and a couple of other things. But um, it's, you know, it's, it's a fine line between being truly educational or entertaining or gimmicky when you're giving a presentation. But for me, what I find keeps me centered is focusing on this wonderful empire 
that I had the privilege of walking into in my mind for two or three or four years while I was really working out this book. And these people that I created that I had the privilege of knowing and that I feel like are part of my family and just being able to introduce this time, this empire and these wonderful people to people who don't know them. And the biggest compliment I ever got, um, I've gotten it twice now from people, um, but the favorite way that someone said it to me was a Jewish gentleman who just walked up to me. He said, I have read your book and to me, scripture will never be flat again. Mm. And to me, that it, it, it absolutely, to me that um, those five words, scripture shall never be flat again, sorry, six words, uh, yeah. was the complete compensation that I ever, ever needed for my book. I really, uh, it just made it worthwhile to me. But a number of people have said that in different ways, not because it's such a wonderful book, but only because I was able, privileged to be able to do that research and that thought groundwork to really lay open a time and people that they didn't know. And that's, that's a wonderful feeling. And as an author, you are going to find what makes your book shine. And if you can bring that out in whatever way you present it and whatever audience you find, you'll be able to do it really quickly, super quick. And then I'll, I'll stop and allow questions. Compensation. So I have completely evaded, not evaded, avoided the tax issue, except for the books that are um, on Amazon by saying and saying it very gladly. And particularly this works in faith groups. I take donations only. And I do. Some people are able to pay a very little or maybe not because I don't watch. Other people, you know, leave a couple of 20s. And uh, because they are donations, um, you know, I know how much the book costs me. I know how much it is on Amazon. If they ask me how much it is on Amazon, I'll tell them. But I tell them, you know, whatever is comfortable for you. And I've definitely come out ahead with, with that strategy. You know, I do pay taxes on what's sold online. I do have both, you know, I mean, I accept cash, but I also have a, a square. Um, and I usually have someone with me, be it a friend or a relative or someone who does operate that. Not necessarily because it's not accessible, but because I'm there talking to readers and making my artist signature and doing those kinds of things or explaining about the lyrics. So it's really good if you are selling or having donations from a book to have a second person there and not, and again, not for the, not for the dishonesty, but for the, just to make it a little smoother for you because you can't be at once. Yeah. So that's really all I wanted to say, but I'd like you to kind of, and it doesn't have to be right now, but if you can kind of apply some of those principles to where your book is coming from, who your audience is, what the sources are for making people, helping people to know about it, how you really want your book to shine in the presentation you do, and then, you know, what presentation that's going to be. I think you'll be able to, you know, to work with your book and, and, and expand your audience. I, I wish all of you really good luck with that. Elizabeth, this is Deborah, and I'm going to zero in on one element that you talked about, and that is the signature. Okay. Um, I, so, you know, I have a signature. We all have a signature. People who have been kind to me tell me it looks like a doctor's signature. <laughs> but um, in 20 years ago, when I, when I wrote these books for AFB Press, they were 
really um, all charged about my promoting them at ACB and NFB conventions. And I was terrified. I was terrified because people would come up to me and they wanted me to sign the book. And I could sign the book, but my nature is to write a personal message. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a couple of people, I did that. Like, you know, I've, I've been able to, you know, print messages, but my printing is large and it looks like a second or third grader and, you know, it takes a lot of space. Um, so that didn't work. So anyway, uh, but I, I did that for some people, but I never felt really good about it. Uh, one writer that I know, Kathy Schneider, who's blind and who's a professor emeritus from uh, Wisconsin, whatever it's called, the, the, that university in Madison, um, she's written a few books. And I know she said that what she did was develop a, a rubber stamp, which this is kind of more in line with what you're saying. She developed a rubber stamp signature of a paw print because she adores her guide dogs and her guide mm-hmm. dogs have figured into her books. So I thought, well, that's cute, but that's not me. So um, I guess when you say this artist signature, I'm a little, I, I'm not really clear on what you mean by that. So I want to hear that the more um, clarification of that. And then I'd also be interested to hear what other people here have done about that or thinking about that okay um and i think we only have about four minutes left um right before i answer you i wanted to just say one other thing i i forgot but that was important um very quickly but one thing the, the one thing i did do other than these things that i told you i had postcards printed with the cover mm. of my book on one side oh i've got those and on the other side just a little description a description of the book and the QR code that will take someone directly to the website. I carry those everywhere with me in the door of our car, in my, in all my purses, in the, sometimes in my oh, pocket. And really I will smart. sometimes, I will sometimes deliberately give them to someone, but also, and I mean, I don't know, this might sound sleazy to you, but if I go to a church because I travel a lot, I might just leave a couple in the restroom or a couple on the, on the, mm-hmm. on the, on the, on the uh, the guest table and just, I don't know where those will go, but people are going to look at that. And it's really great. I mean, they're, they're literally, they're less than a dime a piece there. If you get them in bulk, they're extremely inexpensive and you'd be surprised how much you could put on the back of a postcard about a book. So and what service did you use to, um, you know what? Those? I don't remember, but I will look it up and I'll send it to you. I, okay. I can't remember. Yeah. It's in the Netherlands. I know they're centered there, but I'll, I'll get that for you. The artist okay. signature very, very quickly. I make one line that flows in different ways or maybe two lines. And I don't, it's, it's not worth describing it because everyone's is going to be different, but it's a coherent signature or I should say mark that will touch right. itself and that will be very distinct that that is my mark. Okay. So does anyone else have anything to say about this signature or any final questions for Elizabeth? This is Livy. Um, <clears throat> when I published my book, um, they had a promotional deal where I could get uh, bookmarks, uh, postcards and uh, business cards. 
And I usually have bookmarks and business cards with me all the time. And on the business card, it's got the, the cover of the book with my email and, uh, you know, phone number and all that stuff and contact information uh, for people that, uh, you know, want to, um, to contact me. Um, now, I have a question. How would you, because I've got gobs of the, bit of the postcards, Elizabeth, how would I uh, get a description made up to put on the back of that? But I go if, like to an if they're already printed, if they are already printed, um, I'm not sure technically how you would do that. But if it were me doing that, if I had a bunch of blank cards, well, blank on one side cards already printed, I think I would write something and I would call or take it to Kinko's and ask them what is the best way to do this. Or if you know someone who's, you know, in technology, because I'm sure there's a way to do it, but okay. I don't know if it would be cost cost effective. effective. Yeah. Either. Okay. Thank you. Sure. So, um, Elizabeth, I want to be sure that people can reach you. So would you like to give some contact information for how people can find you or read your book? Um, why don't I email that to you and you can email it out to the group as opposed to, um, sure. because, okay. uh, well with the recording, okay. With the recording, I will state my email one time. It's okay. I am Antigone at att.net and it's I A M like am a N as in Nancy T as in Tina I G as in George O N as in Nancy E at a T T dot net. Okay. And, um, and, and state the titles of your book. So the published book is the Lyra L Y R A and the cross Lyra in the cross and the book that I've just finished and am planning to pitch to some publishers. And if I do not get it published that way, then I will uh, self-publish. The name is With Best Intent. With Best Intent. And I have two more that I'm working on. So Fabulous. Fabulous. So um, we're, we're not uh, – I, I try to stick to the, the time, but not absolute. So does anyone else have any final questions for Elizabeth? I think it was a very yeah, good presentation. It's, it's Mary. I, I thought you did a really good presentation. You're very organized and you stick with a subject and I admire that. <laughs> Thank you. And, and Deborah, I think this has been, if not the most, one of the best uh, of these meetings that you've ever done. I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's fabulous. Thank you. Well, that's yes, I because agree. Of, I agree. That was very, very well done, well organized, and you're doing great, Deborah. This is Abby, by the way. <clears throat> well, thank you so much, and thank you, Elizabeth, for being here. And um, if you would like to join our group, you could send a message to Writers Retreat at Groups. Io. Well, it's Writers Retreat plus Subscribe at Groups. Io. And I'll send that to you so that you can. Okay. Yeah. Do thank that you. If you'd like to. Join. And I just oh, want to. Get are you? Are you a member of behind? Are you a member behind? I don't want to forget. Oh. I don't want to forget a uh, quick shout out, which I meant to do in the beginning. I want to give a quick shout out to the Central Ohio Writers, which is my writing group, and who have truly mm. encouraged me with a lot of this marketing that I've done. Oh. 
Hmm. Everybody get a writing group if you can who doesn't have one. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Elizabeth, your writing group, this is Abby again. Your writing group, sound, your, your name sounds very familiar. Have you, did you ever join Behind Our Eyes? I'm just trying to think where I'd heard your name before. Um, I you remember given, Behind Our Eyes? I know that I gave a talk about two okay. years ago. And okay. I don't remember if it was for your for that group. I just can't remember the name of the group. It was not... I think they were based from Texas, I want to say. Oh, okay. Because I'm just thinking where I've heard your name before. I've been racking my brains because I know I've okay. heard your name somewhere and I can't think. <laughs> okay. Like I told okay. Mary earlier, I maybe need to live to move to assisted living. But Frank, sometimes mm. memory is just. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, just curious. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. You've been great, and I hope you'll be with us in future. Oh, and I forgot to say at the beginning, with regard to housekeeping, we will not be having a meeting in July. There's so much going on in July that um, I think we're going to skip that month, and we'll be ABC back in August. Okay. Yeah, AC. Yeah, I'm planning to go to the ACB convention, so I probably wouldn't be available either. So yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Okay, All right. Well, then we'll see everybody you. in August, if not sooner. Hey, everybody. Thank you, Deborah. Keep, this is Elizabeth. Keep creating, everybody. I know it's absolutely. Only, keep, keep doing it. Thank you, Elizabeth. I knew. Thank you. Great. Okay. Thank bye bye. Thank bye. You. Bye bye. Deborah. Hello, Deborah. Oh, she's gone. Oh, I think she's gone. This is oh. Mary. Who's that? This is Olivia. I mean, Olivia. Olivia. Um, I have a question. Um, somebody mentioned they got their book on Bard, and somebody had mentioned to me about Bookshare as well. Uh -huh. How do I do that? How do I get uh, my book? Oh, okay. So Bard is where the books are recorded, or 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 in Braille, and that um, you contact the National Library Services for the Blind. Right. Um, so you don't get books on? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I get the cartridges. I don't do Bard, but uh, oh, okay, okay. If if you wanted to do Bard, then you could, you know, talk to your state librarian and that. Right. Say, I know. I think I'm signed up for, it, but I've just never used it. Yeah. But I'd um, love to get it. I I've been trying to figure it out how to get it on Talking Books. Uh, I checked with Perkins. It's like 500 books to have it put into Braille, and I can't afford that. So, Oh, uh, your own book, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've, it's a struggle getting your book. Now, you have to, if you put your book on Bookshare, you have to format it a certain way. And I, um, are, are you with uh, DLD Books? No. Leonore? And, okay. But I'm going to be I'm going to be on uh, Bob Branko's program tomorrow night. Uh huh. At oh, six thirty. Yeah. That's Doing good. another. I have. It's my second interview with him. It's been quite a while, but yeah. Yeah. Um. I should contact him. He hasn't invited me. I he he did he interviewed me for my first book, but not for the second book. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and I don't even know if my book. I don't think my book is on Bookshare. And I, and I wrote that book, oh, four years ago. Yeah, mine's been six. So, 
Yeah, it's I don't I just, Okay, this is Deborah. I'm still hanging out here because if I oh. hang up you guys will be disconnected. So oh, I just sorry. want to say that's okay. Um I'm I'm glad I hung out because I heard this. So for Bookshare, you someone needs to upload the text of the book to Bookshare. You can do that yourself or you know, in my case, the books that I wrote for AFB Press, someone else uploaded them. I never knew who, okay. but I suddenly discovered they were on Bookshare. So, because um, I have it on ebook as well, it was in print and in ebook. So, um, so if you want them to be on Bookshare, um, I would say just uh, do you have if you don't have a membership with Bookshare, then. Um, probably, uh, gosh, I don't know. I think if you could s send an email to something like info at bookshare.org mm -hmm. and ask how you upload a book, they will probably tell you. Okay, great. Um, and if, if, if not, I'll see if I can find out more because I've never uploaded a book. I'm a dedicated Bookshare member. I download books from Bookshare all the time, mm -hmm. but I've never uploaded, so I'm not sure exactly how you go about that. But they'll, there's anything that's uploaded to them will become part of the collection. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm also trying to um, um, figure out how to get it put into audio format, like uh, you know, like say Audible or something like that. Uh, right. Well, we've got some members who have done that in Writer's Retreat. I don't know, but I, I sort of loosely know that they have found narrators and dealt one-on-one -on -one with them yeah. to, because they have paid the narrators directly to record the books um, yeah. So and upload them in the, in the right format. So I think the best thing is, you know, join... Uh, our list and post the question. Okay. There will be someone there who can answer. Okay. Because so. I've got Deborah, the... I'm going to leave the meeting. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am too. I'm going to say I'm going to end this. So okay. anyway. I've got the contact so, information, so I'll check so, it and stuff. So Thank I'm you glad so you were much. here, Livy, and I hope Thank you Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Sorry I had to... My computer died, so I had to... <laughs> that's, that's what okay. I... Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, bye now.